All right, so uh, we're starting a new study tonight called Next, the Afterlife and This Life. And so, like I said, if uh, you haven't already started doing this, I want to get your questions, uh, things that you've wondered about, about what happens next, uh, about heaven, about hell, um, about judgment, any sort of questions you might have. Um, Like I said, we're not going (laughs) to solve all these tonight, Uh, but I want to kind of know what people are thinking about. Um, so, uh, give you just another minute to work on those if you want to. Uh, it seems like most people have gotten those written down. Um, well, and you know, this is something I've talked about before with other groups, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised that some of the questions that, that you all have are ones that uh, a lot of people have. Um, you know, for example, some of the most common questions that I hear are about, um, am I going to know my spouse? Uh, in heaven, um, will I get to be with them? Right? Am I going to see any of the people that I love again, um, or will will I even care? Right? Is it just going to be about me and God, or is it something bigger than that? Um, I've heard a lot of people ask, like, well, okay, so what do we do? Right? Like, you have eternity, so wouldn't you get bored of pretty much everything? Uh, <laughs> um, or what happens at judgment? Right? Are Christians judged? In what sense are we? Are we get a pass because of Jesus? How does that all work? Um, I've had lots of questions about that. So, uh, like I said, uh, if you think of others, uh, my goal with this is at the very end, if there are things that we didn't cover uh, through the whole study, we'll just have a couple weeks where we'll get to talk about just kind of questions you have, things that come up, or, and we'll do what we can to answer those um, but, you know, before we get to that, kind of the first place I want to start with is the, the big question of, uh, okay, but why talk about this in the first place, right? Um, and I'm going to, through this, you'll get a lot of what I call Bible nerd words. Uh, so you're going to learn a few. And the first one uh, tonight is eschatology. Uh, yeah, and there's handouts in the middle if everybody didn't get one of those. Um, so you can see that. Um, Eschatology is just our, our Bible nerd term for the study of the end, of the last things, of uh, final judgment, second coming, all that sort of thing. Uh, it's like theology, study of God, right? Eschatology is the study of the end. Um, and so, but why, why talk about this? And yeah, I, one of my memories of when I taught a class on this, afterwards a lady in, in the class came up and uh, she was trying to be helpful and be nice uh, but her comment was, well, you know, none of this really matters, right? <laughs> Which is as a teacher, when you studied something, is exactly what you want to hear, right? Well, this doesn't really matter, right? But what, I know what, where she was coming from was, right, as long as we know that there is something good in store for us, right, or we uh, can have confidence that we're going to the good place and not the bad place, then it doesn't really matter, right, what you believe about this or what we know about it. Um, and I will definitely agree with what I think she was also saying, that a lot of this is a mystery, right? There's not like a Bible passage that says, here's the day-to-day of what heaven's going to be like, right? We only see glimpses, and, and a lot of them may be symbolic or metaphorical. Uh, and so I don't claim to be, in that sense, an expert in the afterlife and what, where I can tell you everything about it, right? A lot of it is a mystery. Um, but I would disagree with saying that it doesn't really matter, right, what you believe or what you think about it. Um, now, 
For one thing, there's a bad reason to talk about the afterlife, eschatology. And the bad reason, I would say, is when it is really just pointless speculation or morbid curiosity. Um, so can you think of examples of that, right? When people, um, maybe conversations that people have had or things that people have taught about this that um, really just are kind of pointless or maybe could be harmful in some sense. I don't know, does anything come to mind when you think about kind of pointless conversations that we sometimes have about this? I mean, think about the way maybe it's heaven or hell is depicted uh, just like in TV shows or in movies, right? Have you ever seen anything where it seems like it's kind of that pointless speculation? Like whether or not there's going to be a chocolate fountain? Yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm going to mark that as one that I don't know <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, and, and right, you see this in a lot of these kind of depictions of it where it is just, oh, well, I guess heaven is... It's just you get whatever you want, and so people start to come up with ideas that um, don't really seem biblical or Christian or have anything to do with God. It's just, this is me, my wildest fantasies. Um, I think in this category, you could, all, you could include um, predicting when Jesus is going to come or kind of like how the end times are going to come about. Um, and so, I mean, there's a whole industry, a Christian industry of this, right? Things like the Left Behind series and, and books like that, right? Where it's all, uh, I mean, they would say those are fiction, but they really believe that like, okay, here's all the steps of how this is going to happen. Here's what these, some countries are going to do this, and this is going to happen, and then that'll happen. And that's when you know, right? We're in the know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You watch some show, and then 20 years from now, they'll have the show, and they'll use the same, it'll be different examples. Yeah, they just bump it up. Yeah, it's like, it's coming soon. 10 years, yeah. And I remember, I'm, I can't it was probably like 10 years ago, some guy like predicted the date of when Jesus was going to come back. And he was wrong. Surprise, surprise. Um, there have been times, uh, along with this, where people have used supposed knowledge of the afterlife to control people, to threaten people, right? Like, well, I can, here's what you have to do, otherwise you're going to hell, right? I know. Um, and so that's um, used in a very harmful kind of way um, where you can control people, right? Because it leads to a lot of fear. Didn't the Catholic Church, they used to, you could get... Indulgences? Yeah, that, you yeah. could get your family members out of purgatory if you gave mm-hmm. to the Catholic Church. Yeah, like that. yeah. So that... Yeah. Um, so yeah, this idea that you can use this to control people, that would be a, a bad reason to talk about eschatology. And a biblical example of this, Paul in 1 Thessalonians, beginning of chapter 5, um, there's a longer conversation there about Jesus' return. And, but what he says at the beginning of this section is, brothers and sisters, or sorry, we don't need to write to you about the timing and dates of, of Jesus' return, uh, brothers and sisters. Right? He's saying, I don't need to tell you, um, I'm not going to bother talking about when Jesus is going to come back. Because right, Jesus says, even he didn't know. Right? So if we think we know when Jesus is coming back, we, we're saying we know better than Jesus. So that's not a good place to be. Right? So that kind of point of speculation, Paul says, we're not going to do that here. But there are some good reasons to talk about it. And that's hopefully what we're doing here. The first one is 
pastoral clicker. There we go. Um, so pastoral in the sense of relieving people's anxiety, uh, to offer comfort, to offer hope, right? Um, there is sometimes anxiety about what happens when you die, or am I going to see this loved one again, right? Um, and that can come from a good place, right? You really are concerned. Um, and, uh, and so if it's coming from a place of trying to offer comfort, uh, that's, not, that's not a bad thing. And so, in fact, it's basically, it's the same section. It's just the kind of section right before in the same letter, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, says, Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about people who have died so that you won't mourn like others who don't have any hope. And well, that's a section we'll definitely be looking at during this study, uh, because he was talking to a church where they were sincerely worried that some of the people, uh, their brothers and sisters, had had died before Jesus came back, and they thought, okay, were they going to miss out and not get to go experience what's coming next? And Paul's like, no, no, it's it's okay. And and so when it comes to comfort, um, then that's that's a conversation we can have. We see Paul uh, is making that example. And then the second reason to talk about it, which is kind of where I'm going to focus a lot, is ethical. All right, when it comes to how you live now. Um, because I believe that what you hope for determines what you live for. Right? So where this is going shapes where you're going to go tomorrow. Um, and if I were going to use, again, uh, biblical nerdy words, I'd say eschatology influences ethics. Right? Those two are tied together. Um, so what you believe about where this is all going is not some neutral thing, but it is, even if it, you think it's way in the future and it may not happen in your lifetime, it is going to affect the way that you live day to day. Our second Bible nerd word uh, related to this is telos. This is the Greek word that means the end or the goal or the conclusion right? Or from my um, Greek Lexicon it says the goal toward which a movement is being directed, right? So the telos is where it's all going, right? So if if you think it's over here, but it's actually over there, um, you're going to be going the wrong direction. And yes, I doesn't. I wouldn't say that means God's going to just leave you, but right, we want to be going in the direction that God is going. So you know, questions with this of where is this this whole story going, right? Uh, what's the point of this life? Is this just uh, a testing ground for, and it doesn't really matter aside from that, whether you, you're going to one place or the other, or is there actually some significance to this life? Um, what's your vision of the good life? I mean, really, right? We all, since, especially since we're in church, we know we should say, well, the good life is uh, living like Jesus and doing this and this and this, but uh, you automatically live towards whatever you th- really think the good life is, and uh, right, that's your telos. And so are you living towards one that lines up with uh, the kingdom of God or uh, with something else? In the end, is God going to fix things or is God going to destroy things? Uh, is your body and actually the whole material world, is that something to escape or something to be perfected? Right? Um, so which, where is this all going? And how, depending on how you answer all those questions, is going to shape right? the way you view yourself, the way you view other people, the way you view this world and act in this world. Uh, it's going to have different outcomes. And so um, the, the, I would say this is the main reason to me why it's important. Uh, an insufficient hope 
leads to an insufficient life. And we want to be living the life that God has given us. And so uh, and it, uh, a verse that connects with this comes from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, which is a chapter we're going to spend uh, a good amount of time on because it's a long chapter all about the resurrection. But the very last verse of this chapter, Paul says, as a result of all this, right, this long chapter about the resurrection and what it is, my beloved brothers and sisters, you must stand firm, unshakable, excelling in the work of the Lord as always, because you know that your labor isn't going to be for nothing in the Lord. Right? What he's saying is, the reason I need to make it clear what the resurrection is, is because this is going to affect the work that you do in Jesus' name right here and right now. And it means that the work you do, your labor, isn't pointless. Right? So the way we live... Uh, matters and has stakes, um, not just for whether you're in or out, but for what happens here, and God cares about that. Uh, and so the reason that um, you know, I titled this class Next uh, is because uh, the next life is important, but mainly because of how it shapes your next step today or tomorrow, right? Uh, what's next is not just way in the future, but it's also here and now, and those things are intimately connected, right? Um, as Jesus says, and we're going to see this in just a second in a video, Jesus taught us to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And so uh, what is God's will in heaven? What's, what's happening there? What is it about? And so how can that be done here? Uh, how can we pray for that, but also work for that? All right, any, any questions about, about all that or comments, thoughts? All right, um, well, what I want to do next is, right, as we're thinking about this, uh, the telos, right, the end, the, the goal, where it's, where it's all going, um, I want us to think some about the, the big story, right? And so we're going to watch a little video. This is from a group called The Bible Project. Um, they have a, a website, and they have a bunch of uh, great videos uh, about a lot of different subjects. Uh, so we're going to watch this one that's uh, about heaven and earth, and, you know, I would probably say some things a little differently than they do, but generally I, uh, I like what they have to say. So I just want to, as you watch this, think about, okay, how does this compare to the big story that, that I've usually heard uh, in churches and in sermons and in classes? So let's watch this and see what you think. All right, I mean, they said the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. Is that usually how you've heard the big story? Okay. Uh, what are some other ways, like, if, if someone were going to say, here's what the, the story of the Bible is all about. How to get to heaven. To get to heaven right? I mean, I've heard, I've directly heard that in, in prayers, right? That all that matters is that we get to heaven when we die. That's what the story is all about. What else? What could some people argue the story is all about? And I do, one of the things I noticed, the difference between this and kind of what you're alluding to and... Um, I assume it's what a lot of us have heard. Our, what we tend to focus on in the story is very individualistic, right? It's about me or, or you or getting certain people to heaven or, or out of hell, right? Um, so it's not a communal picture. It's about individuals, which in our individualistic culture, uh, it, we can see why we would think that. But that's not the way that the Bible typically looks at things. Um, it's going to be more communal, um, and so, 
Uh, that's one of the places where, right, we just, our worldview tends to make us look at things in a very personal, private sort of way. And we read that into the scriptures that don't have that same worldview because we just take that for granted. And it's about my personal relationship with Jesus and that I get to go be with him. Um, but they're arguing that um, God's story is a little bigger than that. What else? Anything in the, in the video that, that stood out to you is interesting? Um, the way he talked about Jesus and who he was and what he did? When it talked about the city, mm-hmm. when it changed the way heaven looked from, I can't remember what the picture was before, but then it, when it drew it into a city. Oh, in Reve- at the end in Revelation? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the New Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's, it's this vision of a city, and there are lots of plants and trees, right? So it's kind of like going back to the garden, but uh, includes um, culture and the things that we have built. Yeah. Is that the new heaven and new earth? Yeah, right? Um, that's, that's a phrase that's used there. <clears throat> is, is earth, is that a metaphor for heaven? Yeah, those are, those are good questions. We're going to get there uh, a little bit in just a minute, but uh, hopefully over the course of this, right? I remember, when was this? I think I was in high school, and I was, held, I was like an assistant camper at a church camp, and so an adult was teaching it, and they were, for some reason, looking at that story, and it talks about there how the new heavens and new earth come out of heaven. And I remember the teacher asking, yes, me, because, you know, uh, he thought I might know, how can, I thought we were supposed to go to heaven, how can heaven... Uh, come out of heaven, and that's where we go. And I had never thought about it, right? It, it, you know, when you, we look at some of these passages, it doesn't seem to fit that story that a lot of us assume that it's all about. Uh, and so that's a lot of what I want to try and do with this. And for one thing, uh, some of that just comes, comes down to the language that we use and phrases that we use to talk about uh, the afterlife. So... Do you think the Jews oh. felt like they had to go to temple? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the Old Testament, and we'll look next week. We're going to look at the Old Testament, and we won't get into the temple a whole lot. But um, you do see kind of different pictures of this, right? Because there, once they have the temple or they have the tabernacle in the wilderness, that is a very important place. And there's a sense where it is like, like it says, heaven on earth. And so if you go there and you're uh, clean, uh, ritually, you can be in God's presence in a, in a special way, right? Only you can't go into the Holy of Holies uh, unless you're the one priest who can do that one time a year. But there is a sense that you're more in God's presence. And yet, at the same time, there's plenty of other stories where like Jacob uh, has his dream and sees the ladder and realizes he's in the house of God, right? And so the Old Testament kind of is saying both, that the temple is a special place. And yet, even when they built it and Solomon dedicates it, he says, we know this can't contain you, God. You're bigger than this. Uh, and so God can also show up in other places, right? Um, and so it's that temple idea is important, but um, I think what was, what, the idea is it's not limited. Just that that is the particular place where you can go and be in God's... Yeah, right, the Ark of the Covenant is kind of like his throne is a lot of times the way it's thought of, right? And right, this is hard for us to grasp because we don't think of temples in that way. Um, 
right? And in fact, the New Testament reinterprets those images, but we've got to understand what they meant to uh, God's people in the beginning to understand how then Jesus and Paul reinterpret those images and say, you are God's temple, right? In 1 Corinthians. Um, so we've got to know what Paul as a Jew would have thought of the temple being uh, for him to then apply that to us. Yeah, right? We'll, yeah, we'll talk about that, right? The, and some of this, it, a lot of it comes to translation as well, right? We're reading the Bible in English. It was written in Hebrew and in Greek. And so choices are made when translators translate these words. And sometimes it's fine. Sometimes you, you lose something, right? And, or there could be more than one way to translate it. And so a lot of what we're going to do is, is kind of go back to some of these words, right, and see, well, is that what, when we use that word, are we thinking of it the same way that those biblical writers were? Uh, so first I want us to look at what are some phrases that we associate with the afterlife that aren't really in the Bible. Um, the first one actually is afterlife, right? The word afterlife is not in the Bible, which I know I'm using that for like the title of the class, uh, but that word is, is not in there. Um, another, the phrase, right, together, heaven and hell, is not in the Bible, right? I mean, and a lot of us have the Bible app on your phone. So if you type heaven and hell, uh, you're never going to find those two words together. And yet, that's a, another way that people frame the story of what this is all about. It's a war between heaven and hell, and you have to know whether you're going to heaven and hell. Um, right? We just take that for granted, and yet those two words are never grouped together in all of Scripture. Or just the phrase, go to heaven, uh, we don't see that. We see some things, as, as they talked about, that sort of sound like that, and we'll talk about in what sense that is true. But again, the idea that the big story is to go to heaven, um, we don't see people talking about that the same way. Another word that um, came along a lot later is the rapture. Um, we'll talk some about what, uh, where that belief came from. Thankfully, that's not traditionally a, a belief that we've accepted. It's a little bit hazy when you say that. Yeah, right? It um, the rapture, yeah, to be. I think it. it yeah, that, it, really, it's more. It's the doctrine that goes along with the idea of the rapture, right? We'll talk about the passage where that comes up. I think it is First Thessalonians four, um, but right, that word specifically is not really a, a biblical word. So, what are some biblical terms? Uh, one is resurrection, right, and. These numbers, these counts are probably not exactly right because I was using an English translation. Um, but resurrection shows up at least 23 times. And I even left out some where it was only talking about Jesus' resurrection. These are most, most all of these are talking about the resurrection we will experience. Uh, another, and uh, I'm assuming, I'm not going to give you time to write down all those scripture references, but I can give you this later if you want uh, to go check those out. Another biblical term uh, is, or phrase is eternal life. That shows up, uh, I counted, 42 times. Uh, now, a lot of these are in the Gospel of John. That whole second line is just John because uh, John likes that phrase a lot. Um, but here's a good example where the word eternal may not be the best way to translate that Greek word, or it's, it's definitely not the only way that you could translate it. Right? So what kind of life are we talking about here? Um, so... I said we don't see the phrase heaven and hell, but we do see the phrase heaven and earth, 
um, or the heavens and the earth uh, about 42 times. Um, so right, that's, I think that's interesting, right? That we always, uh, a lot of Christianity pairs heaven and hell as these two things that go together or go against each other. But actually in the Bible, it's always heaven and earth and how they relate to each other, which again, we saw in the video uh, is, is in one sense what it's all about. And that leads into something that was already mentioned, the new heavens and new earth. Um, it only shows up, that phrase is only in there four times, uh, but we're going to see that that is a pretty significant phrase when we think about what God is uh, working towards. And um, what I think we'll find with this is that many traditional beliefs, right, what, what we've always thought, a lot of those are actually kind of new, historically speaking, to the, the long scope of Christianity. And a lot of what may seem like new interpretations actually have a longer history, and they've just kind of been neglected uh, in the more recent history. Right? So I hope as I you know, argue some of the things or look at some of these things in a different way, um, that this doesn't just seem like, oh, this is something new that you just came up with, uh, but we're trying to reclaim what has been there and has been lost. Um, so along with this, the, the primary biblical hope really is about resurrection and restoration. Now we're going to start with resurrection because that's such a big term uh, in the New Testament um, and what that is and um, right, this idea of a perfected bodily existence after death uh, about when it'll happen, where it happens, what happens between our death and the resurrection, um, how it will happen in some sense. Uh, so we're going to camp out, as I mentioned, in 1 Corinthians 15 to see what this is all about. And then how this idea of what God is doing in resurrection relates to this other idea of a phrase, again, the specific phrase is only in there once in Acts 3.21, the restoration of all things, right? This is a sermon that uh, Peter is giving he says how Jesus must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things about which God spoke long ago through his holy prophets. Right? Again, Peter is saying, this is what the story has always been about, God restoring things. Um, but what, what could that mean that God is restoring all things? Um, and how does that fit with the story that, that we've heard? And how does it shape how we live? If that's what we think God is, is building towards. All right, any questions about uh, all the words, the phrases? Um, I'm sure there were others I could have included in both categories, but those are kind of the first ones I thought of. All right, so uh, as we move forward, we want to think about our, our methods and the meaning of all this, right? The first thing is that we've got to get our foundations before our questions, right? Now, I, I know... You know, we'd love to just jump in with all the questions that we have of what's this going to be like and, you know, all these little specific things. And, but we can't start there, right? You've got to lay the foundation. And hopefully some of those questions will be answered just by looking at these passages. Or if not, then laying that foundation will give us a way to think about some of these questions that aren't answered directly, right? Because the Bible doesn't tell us every single thing about uh, what happens in the next life. And that's okay, Sometimes it doesn't matter, and we can acknowledge when that's the case. But sometimes, right, these are legitimate concerns, right? If we have, like I said, if we have pastoral concerns, we do want to think about those things. Uh, but we have to have that foundation so we're not just kind of coming up with stuff or trying to take a verse out of context. And so, like I said, what we're going to do uh, is our method is to re-examine Scripture, right? And this is why I love Churches of Christ, that 
Uh, we're committed to that. And at our best, uh, we are people who will say, all right, if you can show me that this is what the Bible is saying, then, then I'll take that, right? That we're, we're willing to let uh, some things be challenged, right? We're known as a restoration movement. And um, so built into that idea is that, well, people before or even we could have gotten some things wrong. And so we want to restore what is God's real true big vision. Um, because there are a lot of unbiblical assumptions. They may be harmful, they may not, um, but right, they come from art, they come from hymns. Right? Um, it's, it, well, everybody knows that hell is like this. Right? Everybody knows that. Well, okay, show me in the Bible where it says that. Right? We, we take these things for granted, and, and so we need to be open to seeing, okay, let's see what it really says. Right? But something like Dante's Inferno um, or Paradise Lost, those have shaped more of our beliefs about the nature of hell than much of what the Bible says. And so we need to be aware of, of where those things line up and where they don't. And then um, along with this, we want to consider the nature of God and the purposes of God, right? Um, we do this with all our interpretation of Scripture, but especially where Scripture seems unclear, right? Um, and it, those things fit together, right? We know what God is like through Scripture, and we know what Scripture is trying to say to us when we know what God is like, right? And, and so they um, have this um, symbiotic relationship. Um, but... Right? If God is this, if God does this, then the end will be this, right? whatever that is. Uh, and so the phrase um, I want to end on is, what we say about the end is what we say about God. Right? Uh, if God's, is God's primary defining attribute wrath, or is it power, is it justice, is it mercy, is it love? Uh, whichever you emphasize is going to shape the ending that you think God is working towards. Uh, but I would argue, as First John tells us, that God is love. Right? God has the qualities uh, or displays wrath and power and justice and mercy, but God is never defined as any of those things. God is love, and so the end is going to be love. Now, what does that mean? That's, that's not an easy question to answer, but... In some sense, that's what it's going to be pointing towards. If that's who God is in God's deepest nature, that's God's primary defining attribute, then that's where all this is pointing. So uh, hopefully we can figure some of these things out and see how it shapes us, right? If God is love, if the end is moving towards love, we want to be a people moving towards love. Um, So the better we understand how God is making that come about, uh, the better we hopefully can do it too. Let's uh, end with a prayer, and I'll let you go. God, we thank you for this life, uh, even though it's not always easy. Uh, and we do also thank you for the hope we have of the life to come. And we pray that uh, your will is done on earth as it is in heaven right now, and that we can be the people who make it happen here on earth, uh, little by little, uh, through your power, not our own strength. Uh, through the gift of the Spirit, uh, and through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we offer this prayer in His name. Amen.